0: you for the youth and i thank you for pastor angel and his wife and his family god and lord i just pray that you continue to bless them lord god and let them be fruitful in their ministry and we pray god that we can reach even more young people with the gospel of jesus christ to receive your word to hear exactly what you want to share with us this morning and we ask this in jesus name Good morning, everyone. How you doing? I know there's a lot of traffic getting to the church this morning, so amen. That's good. But I just thank the Lord that the minute we begin to start worship, you, I was in the back. You could feel the atmosphere change. It's the atmosphere. And I know many of you walked in to that atmosphere, and I'm just, I, you know, I just hope that you realize the blessing of coming together and the blessing of being in the presence of God. And then in the presence of God to hear the testimonies. Thank you so much for sharing. And and uh, it's really beautiful to hear and see what God is doing um, in our lives. Um, you, you notice that even during the worship, we were, we were setting up the communion table this morning. Um, today is really about this sacrament that we're going to partake in. And I really just want to share some thoughts that I feel almost like guide us down a path to understand what this is, to understand who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us so that we can be the most prepared to receive the grace that God wants to give us. That's what a sacrament is. You hear this word sacrament. A sacrament is a means of grace. It, it's a physical, material way that God, through His Spirit, imparts grace, His power, His presence, His love to us. So I want to talk about forgiveness. If we know anything about the church, if we know anything about the Eucharist, the, some people call it, or communion, of the Lord's table, we know it's about forgiveness, right? And, and we know that the basic of, of almost any religion is there's God, right? And then there's man, and then there's sin, and then there's some way to, to, to atone for that sin or to take care of that sin or to have forgiveness of that sin. So what I want to share with you today is very simple. And some of you have heard this before. But I feel like if we ever get to the point where it becomes just old news to us, then it's no longer good news, amen? If it becomes old news, it's not good news, and it's supposed to be always good news, something that we always remind ourselves of, you know? It's like waking up every day and saying, thank you, God, for this sunshine, right? I mean, that just never gets old to me. Every time I go to the ocean, it never gets old to me. You know, I pray that in my my relationships, right, that I wake up next to the one I love, and it never gets old that, man, I'm in love, I'm with someone, that i love you know you look at your children you look into the eyes of your children and it never gets old right the love that you feel and yet sometimes we act like you know the stories of of god and us that it it gets old but it's not old it's it's good news now it's funny that i say it's not old because in one sense it is old so i'm using old in two different ways but the story i want to tell you is i'll choose a different word an ancient story in fact it's the second oldest story in the Bible. It's the story of Adam and Eve. It's the story of how sin entered into the world. It's the beginning point of everything that we know and experience. And what I want to share today is that the story of Adam and Eve is the story of us. So the oldest story in the Bible is, of course, God creating the earth, right? God creates the earth and everything in it. And then at the end of all of that creation, He says, now watch this. I'm going to do my absolute best work. And He creates humanity. He creates man and woman to reflect His image, to be the crowning achievement of all of His creation, and He creates them to be perfectly fit together with each other, that God intends that all of humanity would have good and right relationships with each other, amen? And He also gave them an assignment. He said, listen, this world I've created, the animals, the plants, the trees, the birds, the sun, the sky, the ocean, the waters, the rivers, I want you to take care of it. I want you to take care of it and make sure that it produces good things. So not only did God want us to have a right relationship with each other, perfectly matched together, but God wanted us to have a right relationship with the earth He created, with the environment and everything in it, for we were supposed to take care of it. That's our charge. That's our assignment. And He gave Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, another assignment. And He said, listen, not only do I want you to rule over the earth and take care of everything and enjoy everything that I have created for you, because before they sinned, it wasn't going to be difficult. Things were going to produce, and there wasn't going to be pain. There wasn't going to be the struggle. There was just going to be the creative process that just flows like a river. He said, I have another assignment for you. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. That's the biblical way of saying, make some babies. Come on, anybody with me this morning? Come on, you can laugh in church. It's all right. You know, but it's true, right? And and that's what he wanted them to do, because there was no people on the earth. But he said, this is part of what you do, and there's going to be joy in that. And if you can imagine, especially ladies, there was going to be no pain in that. It was all just going to be a beautiful, creative process. God wanted us to be in right and good relationships with each other, with the environment, with the earth, with all people that were to be created, and then also with him himself. For in the beginning, Adam and Eve had this relationship with God where he would come down into the garden where they lived, and he would walk with them, and he would talk with them, and they enjoyed a good and unbroken, unhindered relationship With the God who created them. But into this story comes the devil. And how many of you know that sometimes when things are going good, the devil comes into the story, doesn't he? Sometimes he shows up and he comes in with a a word of doubt. He comes in with a word of evil, with a word that wants to throw them off. And so he comes to Eve and he said, Eve, tell me, did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees? Do you already see how he's twisting it? (laughs) First of all, God never said, don't eat from any of the trees. In fact, Eve is thinking, well, wait a minute, that's not true. She said, no, 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 devil. God told us we could eat from any of the trees we want. Oh, but except this one tree, the knowledge of the good and evil. We can't eat from that or we're going to die. And Satan, of course, brings that temptation. He brings that other word. He brings that word that goes against God's word. And he said, oh, you surely won't die. For if you eat from this tree, you will become like God. In fact, you can become God's yourself. And Eve liked that idea. And she listened to it. And she ate from the fruit. And she turned around, it says, and gave it to her husband, who was apparently standing right there not saying anything. And when both of them ate, they realized what they had done was wrong. And they felt ashamed. And sin, rebellion against God, entered into the world, and things became difficult. The the ground that they were going to work was going to be difficult. There's going to be weeds, thorns. It's not going to be easy to grow things anymore. Childbearing was going to be painful and difficult. And, And to be quite honest, throughout the history of humanity, not guaranteed that either would survive. It was very dangerous in many times and many places. So all of this entered in, and relationship was broken between Adam and Eve, between them and the environment, between themselves and God. And things began to go in a completely different direction, not the way that God had intended for things to go. Now, I want to say just a word about that, right? I want to I speak a word to us today and maybe empower you to speak to those that you are in conversation with. Many people look at the, the way God gives us instructions, right? And it's interesting how we look at that. Some people say it's a list of rules or it's a bunch of do's and don'ts, right? That God puts all these things on us. But if you look at the original intent, God really gave them, gave us instructions on how to live. So that if we followed God's ways, right, if we followed the words of God, it would bring us life. But if we don't follow the words of God, if we say, no, nah, God, no, I don't agree with that, you know. I, I'm better off doing my own thing, or maybe I make myself a God, and I'm just going to do what I think is best, or I'm going to listen to the lies of other people. Oh, friends, we know what trouble we get into when we listen to the lies of other people, right? When we listen to the lies that are out there, and we begin to believe those and to follow those, and we know that we're getting further and further away from God. God's not out to get us. God's not out to hurt us. He's out to save us. And his words, instructions, his, his ways will bring us life if we'll but listen to them and follow them. And we get it so twisted in our minds. Let's take a step back and look at that for a minute, shall we? I love thinking about this. Think about what God said about the trees that they could eat from, right? And we're going to think about what God's will and what God says to us, right? All right? How many trees could they eat from? How many choices? All of them. Do you know that there are 60,000 types of trees in the world? Now, we know not all of those trees bear fruit, right? So I I looked it up. They guess there's somewhere about 2,000 types of trees that bear fruit. But even of those trees, there's different varieties. Did you know that there's 1,600 different varieties of bananas? Really? I didn't know you could have 1,600 different varieties of bananas, but there is, right? So let's say that there's 2,000 trees that bear fruit in the world. How many trees could they eat from? 1,999. Oh, but God's will is so small. God is so, no, God was saying, I've got 1,999 things you can eat from. And everybody in the world's like, oh, I'm trying to find out that one thing that God wants me to do. Well, what if God's will is more like the garden where there's 1,999 things you can do that are good, And there's really just one or two or few that you shouldn't do. What if God's ways are more like that? Because I think that they are. But you know what happens us as humans, right? It's that one thing you can't get that your mind gets focused on, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you can have everything else, but if someone tells you you can't have this, then that's the person that you want, right? That all of a sudden, oh, I want that. There must be something about that. You know, your mind gets curious because of sin, and we want to go to that one thing that we can't have, right? And yet everybody's out there spreading the lie that God has all of these things that you can't do, that he doesn't want you to do. And you have to follow a very strict way of what God wants you to do. When in reality, friends, God has said, my will and my ways are thousands. And what I want to keep you from is a few that will bring you death. Amen? Amen? Are you with me this morning? You're understanding God's ways. They're of life. They're of blessing. They're of goodness. And he wants us to walk in them. So, like I said last week, that's the situation, right? But every time we find ourselves in a situation, God has a solution. So, what did God do? Well, they didn't die immediately. He said, Well, you are going to die. The result of sin is death. But you're going to continue to live. But now I've got to put some other things in place so that you can continue to live. Well, what God set up was a system of sacrifices. God said, Okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to bring some animals, you're going to bring birds if you don't have money for animals. If, if you don't have money for birds, you can bring some bread, and you're going to sacrifice to me. And when you do this, it's going to be a way that I take care of your sin. That's what atonement is. Atonement is taking care of. Atonement is, is taking the sin away. And I'm going to create this system where you can come. And, and often, with some of the sacrifices, the priest would eat some of the food, right? So they're bringing the bull, they're bringing the cow. And it wasn't just a strange religious ceremony, although it is, because this happened thousands of years ago. It was also kind of like a barbecue if you think about it because they would take some of the food and some of the priests would eat it and then sometimes some of the food would be shared with the other people that were there and then sometimes the poor would be taken care of as well. So he gave them ways that were similar to what other people were doing but it was God saying here's what I want you to do. You can come, you can offer a sacrifice. You know, you, you, something can die and, and your sin can be atoned for. And some people believe that when the priest would would like eat the the, the food, that what happened was the sins would be put on the animal and then the priest would eat it as a way of saying your sins are taken care of. Your sins are taken away. Or like this, l- l- listen to this. This is so fascinating. In Leviticus chapter 15, this was another way that God said, I can take away the sins that you have. The sins of you and your whole community, I can make a way to take care of them. And this is what it is. So Aaron, Moses' brother, the priest, shall bring... Wait wait, did I I might be reading the wrong verse. Hang on a second. I'm gonna find it here in a second. Oh, and then so so what they happened is that people would bring a goat to Aaron, all right? And then it says that Aaron shall slaughter the goat for the people and sprinkle the blood on, and then later on it says that in making atonement, he would bring a goat. He would bring a goat, and what he would do is he would put his hands on the goat. And it said, and he would pray that all the sins of the community would go on to the goat, right? And this is why people say, that's why the Bible's so weird. And I say, yes, the Bible's weird, because this happened thousands and thousands of years ago, right? Right? different cultures were different, right? There's things that are different. So yes, you can say the Bible's weird, but you can also say it's different because it describes something. But I mean, it would be funny today if we brought in a goat, right? And I put my hands on it and I said "All all of our sins are going on the goat. But that's what they did. And when the sins would go on the goat, then someone would take the goat outside the city and release it into the wilderness. And God said, what I'm enacting is all of the sins being put on the sacrificial animal and that animal goat being taken outside of the city and released into the wilderness, and all of your sins are gone. And you know what they called that goat? The scapegoat. That's where the word comes from. The scapegoat was the one that would take the sins of the people outside of the city and far away from them. So that system worked for a while. But again, the, the, uh, the people, they were, they were not understanding God completely. God spoke through prophets God spoke through a cloud. God spoke through the fire. But finally, God said, listen, I need something better. I need something better. So he sent Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh. The fullness of God, the power of God, Almighty God, put on flesh, put on human skin and bones and said, I want you to be able to understand what God is like. So here I am in the flesh. I look like you. And I want us to think about that for a minute. Because when we celebrate what Jesus Christ did, we need to understand Jesus Christ was God who had become a man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, you're almighty God. You know everything, right? And if you're going to show up, I'm going to be honest. You see, this is why I'm not God. I'd probably show up about 25, you know. Maybe looking a little bit more like Angel, you know, looking good. You know, wearing, wearing clothes like Jonathan, you know, with the mind and intellect of Dr. Walker back there. You know, I mean, I would, I, would, I would make myself to be look really good and skip all that childhood stuff, right? I just come as a man. I just pop into 25 and be like, here I am. But God became a baby. That means he had to be vulnerable. Jesus had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to talk. Jesus got hungry. He got tired. He got lonely. He grew up. He learned the customs and rituals of his people. Amen. I mean, God lowered himself to such an extent that he even went through puberty. Oh, hallelujah. If I was the son of God, I would have skipped that too. I would have become about 12 and been like, bing, I'm 17 now. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm just going to skip some of that nonsense. But he went through it all. He went through everything. It's we don't hear about his father when he's older his father probably died He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He knows what it's like to have brothers and sisters He knows what it's like to experience every emotion every situation every pain every joy that you and I could ever have We serve and worship a God who knows us from the inside out because he became one of us And he was specific Right? God had to choose to be somebody. Think about this for a minute. He could have chosen to be a Roman, but he didn't. He chose to be a Jew. He chose to be a minority. He chose to have brown skin. Amen? All brown skin people, amen? Jesus was brown skinned. He chose to live among the poor. He chose to be a carpenter. When he was a child, his family had to flee to Egypt and become refugees and immigrants in a foreign land. And he chose to be from a small town, from a place that everybody made fun of, right? Jesus was also someone who was very honest, who was very open. I think Jesus was very funny. I think Jesus could probably tell jokes like nobody could tell jokes because he's the son of God. I think he was brilliant in a very unexpected way. I think Jesus sometimes got tired and sometimes got angry. Think about that for a minute. If you're God you don't ever need to sleep. And what's it like when God becomes human in Jesus and all of a sudden God has to take a nap? I mean, that must have been a wild new experience for God, right? God's like, I've never been tired before in my whole existence. And now I'm tired and I need to lay down and take a nap. God went through everything we go through so that you can be confident today, sisters and brothers, that you serve a God who understands every single thing about you and loves you and is with you no matter what. And that's why it's important to honor Jesus' life, to follow the ways of Jesus, to study the way he lived and what he taught if we want to be Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. We must do that. Friends, you cannot do that. If you're not reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you are not following Jesus Christ because you've got to know what he said and what he did to understand the kind of life that he led Because he understands you and knows the kind of life you lead and is willing to speak into your life, into every place, and into every way. Hallelujah. But then Jesus said, I'll be the scapegoat. (laughs) Remember what his cousin John the Baptist said? He saw Jesus walking by and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And what happened was God, much as the priest would have done, when Jesus was on the sacrificial altar we call the cross, he placed his hands on Jesus and said, the sin of all of the world is put upon you. And remember how the goat was taken outside of the city? You ever wondered why it says that Jesus descended into hell? Jesus took all of that sin and left this world, left this realm, went into hell and left sin there forever. Hallelujah. Forever. He took it away for us. He took it away for us. He created a way for us to have restored relationship with God, with each other, and with this world that he has created. You know, it's interesting, he chooses specific images as well. You know, he was speaking to his people, the Jewish people, who were the Israelites, who God had called to be his own people, that they might be a blessing to all the other peoples, right? And the image of Jesus' death on the cross, as explained to the Jews, is that he is the Passover lamb. So the story of the Exodus is the primary image that God uses and that Jesus uses to describe what he's doing for us in our sins, right? So again, that story is way too long to go into this morning, but let me summarize or go out and rent the Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments or some story about Moses, right? But right, the people of God, the Israelites, are enslaved in Israel. God sends Moses to set them free. Moses and Pharaoh have a little face-off where God sends all of these plagues. And finally God says, I'm going to kill the firstborn of everyone in Egypt unless you take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorposts of your home. And then my angel of death is going to pass over your house. And I'm thinking, how hardcore was this angel of death that he didn't even have time to stop and check the number to see if it was a Jewish house? You just had to put the blood out. You would think the angel of death would know who was Jewish. And God said, no, he's going to be so busy, you better put that blood on the door so that he just smells it, sees it and just goes on to the next house. And the angel of death passed over them, right? And when those kids died, then Pharaoh was like, that's it, Go. And he sends them all, and they're all running away from, and then he changes his mind again, and he's like, ah, we got to get him back. So he starts chasing them, right? And they get to the Red Sea. They get to the sea that they can't cross. And what happens? Moses extends his arms, right? You know this, right? You've seen some pictures, right? And the water parts, right? You've seen some pictures, right? And he walks through, and it's kind of like when you're in the aquarium, and you can see the fish on either side, right? And they walk through on dry land, and Pharaoh is still so angry in his army, and he's chasing down the people of God. And when everyone is safe on the other side then moses puts his hands down and the waters close back over and people say oh god see god's angry god's a god of wrath friends please remember this god's wrath is simply his love expressed in justice it's god making everything right again because if we continue to choose to go against god and god help those people that try to hurt the people of god or other vulnerable groups that the Bible talks about, God help them because there are consequences to our sin. Haven't we been talking about that? Sin leads to death. Every time you disobey God, you are surely but slowly dying. Every time you decide to go your way instead of God's way, it's like slowly choking the air out of your lungs. But we still do it. We kill ourselves slowly every day because we're so selfish and we're so arrogant Or maybe we're so hurt. Or we're so desperate. Or maybe we're so angry. Or we're so lonely. Or maybe we're so confused. Or maybe we're bitter. I don't know all the reasons why we do it. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. My children, let me take your sins. Let me forgive you by making you clean and setting you free. For in the analogy... The oppressor of our lives is not Pharaoh or any other government or any king or any president or any prime minister. We are bound by sin and Satan. And Satan is defeated on the cross. And Jesus came much as Moses and said, Satan, you've been messing with my people too long. I let you into the garden and look what you did to my people from the very beginning. And now you've continued to oppress them year after year, century after century. And listen here, Satan, according to the word of God, back in Genesis 3.15, you may bite my heel, but I'm going to crush your head. And I'm going to defeat you once and for all. And Satan, you will no longer have any power over my people. It's time, Satan, that you let my people go. And Jesus' arms on the cross are like the arms of Moses that has opened up the seas and provided a way for us to walk safely to the other side. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ has said, come, come to me, believe in me, receive me. I'll take all of your sins away. I'll clean you. I'll forgive you. I'll heal you. See, being forgiven of sins is like a healing. It's a healing that we need to happen. It's like sin is like a cataract over our eyes. We can't see others the, the right way. We can't see ourselves the right way. Every time we look in the mirror, we see a distorted image. Every time you try to, try to read, you know, see the, the newspaper through cataracts, you're not going to be able to do it, right? Sin is like a cataract on our eyes. It needs to be removed. We need our vision healed. Why do you think Jesus healed so many blind people, right? Because he's he's doing something in the physical, but he's also teaching us truths in the spiritual. Amen? He's teaching us that there's a blindness that needs to be healed so that we can see God correctly, so that we can see sin is a disease, friends. It's what's killing us. And Jesus wants to come and heal us to to set us free from it. So that's why I, I, you know, for me, it's about being clean and forgiven. It's about being healed and set free. That's what. Jesus Christ and the sacrifice on the cross does for us. And, and again, the story doesn't end there, right? We always think, wow, man, that's amazing. That's a great story. Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> he said, listen, I, I'm not only taking sin away and going into hell, but listen, death, I know death is your greatest weapon, Satan, but I just take death and I snap it in half, and there you go. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. We will die physically, but Jesus gave us hope of a resurrection, right? I mean, if you think about it, we don't always understand, but we can accept and believe the way Jesus did it. Jesus, you could have just said, okay, I'm going to come to earth, and then we'll just all live forever, right? Although it would be kind of a crazy place, this earth, if everybody from the time of Jesus to now was still alive, <laughs> right? It would be a little bit crazy to comprehend. But he said, no, no, no. I, I actually died. I actually went through death. So you know What? Each one of us is going to have to die a physical death, right? But again, (laughs) you have someone who even knows what that is like. Wow. You have someone who even knows what it's like to die a painful death, a difficult death. And so he says, listen, when you get to that point where you're going to die, I will be with you. And I'll take your hand. And guess what? We'll walk right through that sea together. Amen? And you're going to see that I'll part that sea. And on the other side, oh, on the other side, it's going to be so beautiful. You can't even imagine my child, my daughter, my son. Take the hand of Jesus and let him walk you through everything in this life. Let him walk you even through death. And let him walk you to the other side where his kingdom, his glory his new heaven, his new earth, the Garden of Eden is there again for you and for me. It's a simple choice, friends, that we make today and every day of our lives. Will you believe and trust in Jesus Christ? And will you follow him and dedicate your life to him? That's the choice we want to make. So we come to communion, friends. We come to the sacrament, right? You see, it's funny that you know when God gave them the animals to kill and they did the whole thing with the goat and putting their hands on it, God, God knows that we're physical, right? We're creatures of this earth. We, we need something material to help us understand the truths that are spiritual, right? And He's always given us that. So even Jesus said, I'm going to do this amazing thing, right? It's going to be the spiritual reality for all of you, but I'm going to leave you with a tangible, physical way to enact it and to receive my grace again. So he said, you're going to take a piece of bread and you're going to break it and share it and you're going to eat it. It's going to be my body broken for you. Isn't that a beautiful flip of the imagery? Remember the priest would take the food and he'd eat it to take away the sin. And now Jesus, who's taken away our sin, says, now you can eat and receive the life. Amen. We don't deal in death anymore, but we deal in life. Jesus said, you take the cup and the cup represents my blood. And so you get a physical way to receive the supernatural grace of cleansing and forgiveness in our lives. Friends, before we come to the table, I just want to share because sometimes I forget to. um, You'll notice we're using these little wafers that are very traditional-looking wafers. Um, Those wafers are created by women in India in the Covenant Church who've been rescued from the sex trafficking industry. And we bought them these wafers and so that money goes to help them establish their new lives and that's one reason in this season that we're using these because we believe uh, that it's a way of us you know putting our money where our mouth is you know and acting god's freedom god's forgiveness god's new life for people so um i wanted you to remember that as you come this morning the way we receive communion here is in just a minute i'm going to invite you to come forward you can take the wafer and dip it in the cup or if you prefer there are a few little cups you can take a little cup instead and uh, just drink that as well but jesus said i want you to do this as a ritual as a sacrament to enact everything that i've just shared with you to just in a physical way say jesus come into my life right in fact i encourage you to just say that when you take the bread say jesus come into my life And, and when you have the cup it's like jesus forgive me of my sins to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Because I believe that while it's true that God does that in the spiritual realm, right there where you're sitting, I follow Jesus who commanded us to do this because there's something about this physical act that also brings you that grace and that power and that presence and that healing. I think it's both and this morning. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And they're going to they're gonna lead us in this time. But as they do that, I want us to pray. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Amen. I want to invite us to a time of confession, silent confession. I want you right now, if there are sins in your life, if God is revealing things to you, I want you to envision that you're taking those sins and you're actually placing them on Jesus, handing them to him, saying, Jesus, take this away from me. Bible says, if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm not here to tell you today what your sins are. The Holy Spirit will do that. I'm here today to proclaim to you that whatever you confess today to God will be forgiven and cleansed and healed. Take a few moments of silent prayer and meditation, confessing your sins to God and receiving His forgiveness. hard for some of you, but there's something you're holding, there's something in your life that Jesus is reaching out, he wants to take it from you, oh give it to him today friends, give it to Jesus, hallelujah, 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 well God forgives you, he releases you from guilt, so I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that over all those who've confessed that God would take away your guilt this morning. That God would take away the condemnation. Because if you hear any further voices of condemnation, it's the voice of the devil. And we pray against that in the holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ this morning. Hallelujah. Lord God, take away the shame from everyone who's confessed this morning, God. You no longer have to feel ashamed. You are clean. You are forgiven. Amen. Amen. Receive it. Hallelujah. your hearts to God's spirit right now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And friends, as we sing, come to the altar. We invite you to come forward and to receive the body and blood of Christ this morning. Amen.